0: A reminder to all Move the Sticks listeners that the NFL Draft may be over, but you can still contribute to make draft-a-thon charity donations for COVID-19 relief efforts at nfl.com slash relief. That's nfl.com slash relief. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Six, presented by FedEx. DJ and Bucky back here as we continue to look back on the uh, the draft that took place over the weekend, Buck, and, and now getting a chance to, I don't know about you, but for me, one of my favorite exercises is pull up rlads.com, go to the depth charts, and see all these new rookies sprinkled in, and you get a feel for what these overall teams look like. That's uh, That's kind of what we're doing today.
1: Yeah, no, this is a great opportunity to kind of look back and to also talk about what we say is always the, the theme of when you're building your team. The best way to build a champion is you have to build it to win the division. And then once you win the division, you get into the playoffs. And so everyone has to know what's around them, what the division rivals are doing, what the top teams have in place and why they were able to win. And then they have to make counter moves within the framework and philosophy of what they believe in to catch up to those rivals. So it'd be great to To kind of take a look at all eight divisions, talk about the division winners and the teams that are best positioned to overtake them going forward.
0: All right, well, let's jump in here and look at a division that's changed for the first time in, gosh, 20 years, right? With Tom Brady leaving New England. Um, Now you still have New England, who has owned this division with the best defense in the NFL last year, although there's been some other roster changes, Buck. But when you look at the landscape in that division and look at the other teams, based off what we've seen now through the offseason... Who has made the most ground up on the Patriots?
1: Well, I mean, I think the natural team to to put in that conversation would be the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills, one, are a team that is a, a winning team. They're a playoff team. Um, Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean, that staff, they've done a really good job of building what I call a a blue-collar roster with a bunch of worker bees. And what they've done in the offseason is they've added to that because as good as they were, they still needed a little more pop, a little more sizzle, particularly on offense. So then you go and make a big trade and get Stephon Diggs. Uh, You team him with Cole Beasley, uh, John Brown. You now have a wide receiver core that can threaten you not only horizontally, but um, vertically. And because Stefan Diggs is an outstanding route runner, they're able to make plays and do it. And then I think adding more pop and punch to the running game. I know uh, Singletary ran for a lot of yards and had really a, a nice yards per carry average, but they still needed a banger. I think they got one with Zach Moss. And so when you look at all of the pieces that they've added on offense to go with what I think is a solid defense that they've also added some solid pieces in an A.J. Epinesa to I just think this team is well positioned to compete with the Patriots, even though there's something in me that still believes the Patriots will be there at the end because the Patriots are always there at the end.
0: Yeah, they somehow find a way to be there at the end. I I, I like what you said there, Buck. I also think when you look at their draft, I can find kind of a theme. They took players that were great on tape. They did not get carried away with testing numbers. Um, and they took guys at a physical edge. You mentioned Moss. They also got A.J. Epinesa from Iowa, which I thought was a great value pick where they're able to get him in the second round. I thought that was tremendous. Um, He fits in kind of with their culture and how they play, the physicality, the production. And then I think from the receiver standpoint, you bring in Stephon Diggs, and you look at their core that they had with John Brown and Cole Beasley, the one thing they didn't really have was size. So you go out and get a, a Gabe Davis from UCF, who's a vertical stretch player, but has some size to him. Then you come back, get Isaiah Hodgins, who I compared kind of as like a poor man's Alshon Jeffrey. So you're building some size to kind of round out that basketball team, as we like to call it.
1: Yeah, the way that we like to talk about it. And, you know, DJ, you talked about like there, there's a theme and whatever, and I think the, the good teams... The good teams, you can close your eyes and envision the kind of players that they typically like. Um, I think we're beginning to see that theme come out in the Buffalo Bills. I think when you look at the number of drafts and the number of players that they've picked up, the guys that they've signed, and how they play, uh, when I keep bringing up blue collar, worker bees, no nonsense, not a lot of fanfare, I think that's kind of who they are. I think Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean, they have a clear idea of who they want on their team, how they want to play, and the culture that they've created in Western New York. And I think it is a very rough and rugged, uh, let's roll our sleeves up, let's go to work and get it done. And I think it has worked very, very well for them, as evidenced by, what, two playoff appearances in three years. No doubt. And real quickly, just on the other two teams –
0: um, I thought the Jets did a nice job of trying to rebuild this offensive line, led by Mackay Becton, who's going to be their left tackle for the next decade plus. You know, Connor McGovern's a good center. They've upgraded a lot of that offensive line. Cameron Clark, who they drafted in the fourth round, I think has a chance uh, to compete as a starter uh, with Fant, who they signed in uh, in, uh, in free agency. So they did a nice job of upgrading that offensive line. But when you look at the the Dolphins. They had a bunch of resources as well, Buck. I think they're better just by the numbers they threw at it. Obviously, you're going to need Tua uh, to come along. We'll see when he gets the reins. I I think this whole division got better as the Patriots come down. I think you see these other teams come up. But I do think that Buffalo is just ahead of those other two with where they were coming into the offseason and I really like what they did.
1: Yeah, I I will say this though about the Miami Dolphins and why the Miami Dolphins may be able to pop. The one thing that the Miami Dolphins have been able to do, not just in the draft but in free agency, they brought guys in that fit the style of play that they want to play. Getting Calvin Noy, bringing Byron Jones in. Uh, They want to play man-to-man. They want to be multiple on defense. Well, now they have those players. And we don't know when Tua is going to get on the field, but I think the underrated addition of Chan Gailey coming over because Chan Gailey understands Ryan Fitzpatrick has been probably one of his biggest advocates. I think this offense might be a little more dynamic. It may have a uh, a, a different feel to it. And also, I'll say this, if Tua does get his chance, Chan Gailey might be the perfect coach for him. Years ago in Kansas City, he had a guy from Coastal Carolina, uh, Tyler Thigpen. They were one of the first teams to really run the spread and RPOs and those things. So, Chan Gailey certainly has that club in his bag. It'll be interesting to see how he uses it. But this division should be very, very competitive because I think all of these teams—the Bills, the Jets, the Dolphins—they uh, can definitely push the Patriots, especially with the Patriots not having Tom Brady anymore.
0: Yeah, and and let's keep this train moving here, Buck. Let's get to the let's get to the uh, AFC North, I should say. The Baltimore Ravens. One of the things I wanted to hit on with them, and before we get to who can challenge them. I don't know if people have noticed this, but the the Ravens have a little bit of a theme. We're kind of keeping on this whole theme idea. When they've had issues, Buck, they attack it with multiple picks. So think about how they've had years where they drafted multiple tight ends, Hurst and Andrews. Uh, Last year, we saw it with the wide receivers, Hollywood Brown, uh, Miles Boykin. Um, this year we saw it with the linebackers. They go with Patrick Queen and Malik Harrison. Like they see an issue and they don't just say, "Okay, we're going to throw one, you know, one resource at it." They they attack it in multiple ways. I remember when I was there, we drafted Ben Grubbs and Marshall Yanda. We wanted to get better in the interior. We drafted two guys at the same position. I don't know how many teams really do that. I think they say, okay, we have a need here. One, check that box. Let's go to the next need. They they say, this is what we need to fix. We're going to throw multiple resources at it.
1: Well, think of it this way, DJ. We talk about the best teams um, are able to hit maybe at a 50% clip, particularly with their first-round picks. Well, if I double up, I now increase my odds of getting at least one of those guys right. And so it makes sense to devote multiple resources To that. Um, I had just left Green Bay and started working at Seattle when the Green Bay Packers had a need because Randy Moss had tore them up um, at wide receiver, their cornerback matchup. So they drafted three corners the following year, hoping that one of those guys would pop. We have seen the New England Patriots were in a different division. They devoted resources to two tight ends in this year's draft class. They did the same thing when they got Aaron Hernandez and Rob Gronkowski years ago. And so that's what the great teams do. They understand the weakness, but they don't put it just on one player to fill it. They try to increase their odds by expending multiple picks to do it. All right. So let's get to the team that
0: we think has made the most ground up on them. And I feel like I don't want to start the Cleveland Browns hype train again because we feel like we do this all the time. But, Buck, I, I got to be honest, when I, when I look at how they've addressed this roster, you bring over Kevin Stefanski and that offense that he ran in Minnesota that's, that comes from the Shanahan lineage, right? And then you go out and you draft Jedrick Wills, who is the most ready-to-play tackle in this year's draft, who's a really good player who can fit with what they want to do in the zone run game. Um, you go out, and even in the fifth round, getting Nick Harris – uh, to back up J.C. Treader, who's a good player. They signed Jack Conklin in free agency. They, they've remade that offensive line. Then you go out and sign Austin Hooper, who's the top tight end in free agency. You draft Harrison Bryant, who some felt, uh, you might even be one of them, Buck, that was the top tight end in the draft, if if not yeah. the top, one of the top two or three tight ends in the draft. Um, they they bring in uh, Andy Janovich, uh, the uh, fullback, which I can never remember if it's Janovich or Janovich. I always get that wrong, so apologies if I mess that one up. But I just feel like this this offseason has been, okay, Baker, excuses, no more. We've got you a play caller that fits you. We've got you an offensive line that's better. We've got you tight ends, which are a quarterback's best friend. Um, we can be multiple. We can do anything you want to do. But now it's on you.
1: Well, absolutely. I mean, if you look at the last two years, what has been committed to him, I mean, there are no excuses. I mean, you have... Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, you have three tight ends because they extended the option to David Njoku. Three tight ends. Like, think about that. Like, two high-end tight ends and Njoku and, and Hopper, and then you go and draft another guy who should definitely get on the field. You have a running back in Nick Chubb. Yeah. the, you got the two cleaners. running backs. you got Kareem Hunt, too. Yeah. Kareem, I mean, like – I mean, it is a dream. If you can't get it done in this situation, it'll never be done um, by that player. And I, I just think as you're looking at this division, there are two ways that you can attack and close the gap on the Baltimore Ravens. One, you have to be as physical if not more physical than them on both sides of the ball because what the Ravens and what the teams that have won the division have traditionally done they flex their muscles in the trenches they beat you up they take you to the 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 championship rounds of the fight and they eventually knock you out so you have to have a team that in the late stages of the year you can go toe-to-toe with those physical teams within the division I think the Browns have done that and so they're definitely in the mix. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers are well positioned. A lot of it would depend on the health of Ben Roethlisberger. I think they made significant strides last year just with their defense. And you can't look at their offseason moves this year without taking into consideration the midseason trade of Minkah Fitzpatrick, bringing him in, having him play like at a level that was almost defensive player of the year worthy. Um, those teams are well positioned. But right now, man, the Baltimore Ravens, you talk about man the, the, the best getting better the rich getting richer they, they they certainly have put themselves in a position to be very very difficult to overtake
0: and i think the cincinnati bengals look joe burrow is going to have a roller coaster ride as a rookie as they all do uh, but there's hope they're going for the future i thought they had a great draft one of the best drafts from the bengals we've seen in a long time it's been a while since they've drafted a pro bowl player buck i think you got to go back to tyler eifert to find the last pro bowl player that they've drafted i think they've got a chance to have some pro bowlers pop out of this group
1: oh i think so and i I've, I've, i have a, a late division developing crush on uh, Logan Wilson in terms of what he should be. I, I think they need to hand over the keys to the defense to him. But you brought up a great point. Maybe it was yesterday on PATH. We talked about they have three young linebackers that can grow, grow together. That rarely happens, where you can get a young core that can play together and serve as your nucleus for a long time. The teams that have been able to kind of navigate and pull that off have been the successful teams for a long time because that chemistry and continuity matters.
0: All right, let's get to the south here and the Houston Texans, who were uh, a team that got a lot of attention here in the offseason after the DeAndre Hopkins trade, Buck. But when you look at, first of all, looking at this team um, and then looking Who's closing the gap on them? Obviously, the Tennessee Titans uh, were right there with them last year. Uh, but you've got the Colts and the Jags who were pretty, uh, pretty busy this offseason as well. So your thoughts on the Texans and then your thoughts on the team that's closed the gap.
1: So I think this division is undergoing a philosophical makeover. Uh, this is a division that in the past, like the teams that won it were finesse, throw it around the yard. It, it was more cute than, than punishing and, and nasty or whatever. Now this division is changing right before our eyes. And I think a lot of the change is not driven by the Texans, but by the Titans. The Titans' run to the playoff changed the way that I think these other teams have had to adjust the way they want to play. And even though the Texans are the division winner that we're talking about, I think Tennessee's run had more impact. You have to have a way to deal with Derrick Henry and the overall physicality and toughness of the Titans. And so when I look at the moves that were made, I feel like even Houston had to kind of change their style a little bit. They go and get a running back, and we can debate the merits of David Johnson or whatever, but I think Bill O'Brien was trying to make his team a little tougher, a little more physical by having a back that can be an every-down back. Um, They get Brandon Cooks, and Cooks gives them some speed. He has the concussion issues that you have to worry about. You lose DeAndre Hopkins, but I think what they're trying to do is hand his team to Deshaun Watson and really make it his team in the locker room. The Titans... We talk about like adding strength to strength and I don't know what kind of player Isaiah Wilson is, but he plays a style that is kind of in line with how they want to play. They want to maul and brawl and kind of mash you at the line of scrimmage. That is what he's best at. I don't know if he's necessarily a first round talent, but the way that he plays fits with how they want to play, and so you can understand it. And then on defense, they knew they needed to get an upgrade at corner. You lose Logan Ryan, you bring in Christian Fulton. If Christian Fulton plays to the potential that we've seen throughout his career at LSU, he certainly can help them, give them a, a high-end corner that can match up with some of the receivers in the division.
0: Yeah, I thought they got some first-round caliber players outside the first round, so that's that's always the goal, and, and they did a nice job there. I would look at the Indianapolis Colts, though, and a couple different things. When you go quarterback upgrade, which if Phillip Rivers is healthy and protected, I think that's a clear upgrade for them at the quarterback position. And then we talk about pass rush. Can you get more pass rush? The two biggest things in the game right now. So you get improved quarterback play. DeForest Buckner comes in as one of the best interior pass rushers. So I love what they did during the free agency period. Now, you don't have a first round pick. But you come back in the second round, you get Michael Pittman and Jonathan Taylor. You get a little more firepower for your offense to surround uh, T.Y. Hilton and company. So you've got a good offensive line. You've got a solid veteran quarterback. You've added some weapons in the backfield as well as out wide. You've improved the pass rush. I think it's a pretty complete offseason here uh, for Chris Ballard and the Colts. And I think this is a a team that could very easily win this division.
1: Oh, I absolutely can see it. Remember two years ago, they were able to make a playoff run. Um, And two years ago, the common denominator was they had a a, a real – steady Eddie run game and they were able to throw the ball effectively off play action with Phillip rivers. One, I know that he's going to respect Frank Wright because they have a previous relationship. I also know that Frank Wright will be able to be honest with him with where he is in his career and how they need to play to make sure that he plays at his best. And I think we see the theme big offensive line that can mash you, multiple running backs that can run inside, big physical receiver and Michael Pittman that's like the big receivers that Phillip Rivers has always been comfortable throwing to during this time with the Chargers. And then it's just about Phillip Rivers down the back and taking care of the ball. If he takes care of the football and they play the style of play that they want to play offensively, which is running a little balance, They're going to be in the mix, and they're going to be a problem for people because he's a veteran who knows how to win games.
0: Yep, that's going to be a fun division. That's going to be a competitive division. Uh, Last one in the AFC, the AFC West, Kansas City, they're the champs, Buck, and I think you can make a case they might even be better next year. And so the challenge is going to be how do you close the gap on them? I like what these other teams did, but, man, that's a tough gap to close.
1: Yeah, it's a tough gap to close because I will say this, and I've uh, said this since the time that they moved on from Kareem Hunt. They were an offense that was explosive despite playing with one hand behind their back. I think if people go back and look at how that offense operated when they had Kareem Hunt there, thinking about having a a high-end running back to go with Pat Mahomes and that offense is scary. And now you get uh, Edwis who is who is a playmaker, and Andy Reid said he reminds him of Brian Westbrook. Well, I remember vividly what those Philadelphia Eagles offenses look like with Brian Westbrook controlling the offense as a, I mean, a remarkable multifaceted playmaker out the backfield. So now you give Pat Mahomes a guy that you can throw 50 to 75 checkdown swings and screens to, you can still hand him the ball and run uh, some of those inside delay draws and stuff that they like to run and you still have the track team on the outside, man, good luck defensive coordinators trying to stop them. I think the best thing that you can do is what the division is doing. Hey, man, you know what? We're going to load up. And DJ, this is you and I playing a game of Madden. First one to 40 wins. That's what's (laughs) going to happen in the AFC West.
0: Yeah, I, I think that that's a great point. Looking at Denver and Oakland specifically, those two teams, Buck, they said, okay, if... You're going to have a 4-by-1 team? Then we're going to put together our own 4-by-1 team. And that's, that's <laughs> what they did. I mean, look at look at Denver. Look at the speed that Denver added in, in this draft. When you go get uh, Jerry Judy, K.J. Hamler, who, by the way, great picture of you uh, that was tweeted out, coaching both those kids on the same 7-on-7 uh, seven seven team, with, Bula, <laughs> with Cam Akers, with Jalen Rager. I mean, goodness gracious, Buck. That was, a, that was a great shot. But when you look at those two guys, you add another 4-4 tight end and Albert O., to go with Noah Fant. Uh, they, they added in free agency. They, they already have a really good young back. They end up adding Melvin Gordon uh, to go along with Phillip Lindsey. So this team has a lot of speed and a lot of playmakers. And the Raiders, I thought you saw them uh, going out and getting rugs and a bunch of other wide outs, uh, they did a nice job of building up their speed as well.
1: Yeah, I think they certainly built up their, their speed. I think they're uh, more dynamic. And I think that is the common denominator. You and I have talked about it in the league, speed, speed, speed is important. But I think in this division where you have to play everybody twice, that speed or lack thereof really, really shows up in those games. And so when I look at the Raiders and I look at the Chargers and even the Broncos, so much speed and explosiveness on both sides of the ball. You could tell that that was the theme for the Broncos. There's another theme that was also a play that we have discussed when it comes to young quarterbacks and and helping them uh, really mature quickly. Uh, let them play the first year and then the second year come and fill in the gaps for what you see that they need. Drew Lock needed a better play caller, so they go and get Pat Shermer. Then they needed more weapons and skill on the outside. So then you add a Jerry Judy, who's a, a, a polished route runner to go with. Cortland Sutton, the big body playmaker, K.J. Hamler, gives them the vertical stretch player. Um, the running game and all those things that they want to add to that by getting a Melvin Gordon. Much better team, better position. Now the trick will be, I mean, it's almost like looking at an arena ball game. I don't know how much time you paid attention to arena ball. In arena ball, you're just trying to get one or two stops a game. Denver, the Chargers, and the Raiders are just trying to stop the Chiefs a handful of times, and they got to hope that their offense is clicking at an efficient level. That's the only way that you can overtake them.
0: Yeah, and you know, getting to the Chargers in free agency, they upgrade the offensive line. Uh, they make the trade for Trey Turner to put him in at guard. You get Brian Balaga, so they should be better up front on the offensive line. But I feel like overall, they went the other way, where you had Denver and o- and, and Vegas talk about trying to outscore them. I thought the Chargers, a team that held Mahomes under 200 yards both times they played him last year, said, you know what? We think our scheme can match up with them maybe a little bit better than some of these other teams defensively. So we're going to try and keep the score down. They go out and make that trade for Kenneth Murray. They bring in Linval Joseph to clog up the middle, which is going to let Bosa and Ingram really rush off the edge. Um, I, I, and they make the, they make the signing there of Chris Harris uh, to be able to play inside and in the nickel and match up in there. So now you start looking at this defense in a sub situation where you can have Drew Trankful, who can fly at linebacker, uh, Chenna Nwosu, who can do a lot of different things, rush or drop. Kenneth Murray can can rush or drop. Derwin James can play. They have a lot of speed and versatile chess pieces to try and match up inside this division. So I think they went the other way compared to the other teams.
1: <laughs> yeah, the other thing that's going to help them go the other way, um, Anthony Lynn offensively talking about running the ball more, Tyrod Taylor taking care of the ball. I would expect if the Chiefs are one of the teams that play at a faster clip, I would expect the Chargers to play at a slower clip on offense. So if we're contrasting styles, they will play like Wisconsin basketball, Virginia basketball in the NCAA tournament where the Kansas City Chiefs are trying to fast break. They're walking the ball up the court, shrinking the game, trying to get into the fourth quarter where their defense can make a play or two to set up a scoring opportunity.
0: Yeah, that's a great analogy. Princeton, go a little Princeton there. You go Wisconsin, I go Princeton. Same difference. (laughs) Uh, How about uh, let's go over to the NFC, the NFC East, the Philadelphia Eagles uh, won that division last year, even though they were very beat up. Um, But when you look at that division, A, what you've seen from the Eagles and B, who is who's knocking on the door?
1: Well, with the Eagles, the Eagles won in spite of their flaws. Their flaws were they didn't have enough weapons around Carson Wentz, not enough speed on the field, didn't couldn't generate the explosive play. I mean, they were playing with anybody and everybody at wide receiver. And the fact that he was able to throw for 4,000 yards and didn't have a receiver with over 500 receiving yards is amazing and really a testament to how great he is. Um, I think what the Eagles did, they forced every organization to flush their coach. Every team in this division has a new head coach, Ron Rivera with the skins, Joe Judge with the Giants, Mike McCarthy with the Cowboys. The team that is the most dangerous and and, and best prepared to take over the Eagles are the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys are best positioned because, one, they have a really good coach in Mike McCarthy. He got beat up on the way out from Green Bay. But make no mistake, someone who wins about 55 65% of his games is a really, really good coach. And they are giving him the kind of weapons offensively that he can operate with and, and make things happen. And even though Kellen Moore is the offensive coordinator, make no mistake, Mike McCarthy will put his, his stamp on this offense. CeeDee Lamb coming over to join with Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup with Ezekiel Elliott in the backfield. That is scary to deal with. I don't know how many teams in this division have three corners that can match up with those guys, but we're going to find out very, very quickly who can match up and who can match up while also defending Zeke Elliott. The Cowboys on offense, I mean, they were number one offense last year. They're talented, but I think now they can control the game even more with Zeke being a greater emphasis on the run game, but still having explosive players defensively. I think Mike Nolan's defense, it may take a while for it to click. It's drastically different than the way that they played. But this is a team that needed to create turnovers. And Mike Nolan is all about turnovers, taking the ball away, creating – uh, pressure opportunities to generate turnovers. They got to get the ball back. If they can get the ball back to that offense, they can score more points. They score more points, they can win more games.
0: Yeah, and I look at the other two teams. I think you know the Giants trying to get better up front. They do that in the draft, getting Andrew Thomas there with the fourth pick. Um, you look defensively, Xavier McKinney was a great value pick for them. Would come in and start at safety. I think you can make a case they got better. But I think in Washington with Chase Young, they're going to have one of the better defensive fronts. I just don't know. They have the the personnel and the, and the inconsistency at the quarterback position at this point in time to really challenge those top two teams. It feels like a split division to me, Buck. I mean, it just feels like you've got the Cowboys and the Eagles in the main event, and then you've got the Redskins and the Giants kind of playing on the undercard. Uh, and I'm with you on the Cowboys. When you start looking at the personnel that they have now offensively, um, and, man, that's that's a challenge to defend that group. I mean, Zeke Elliott should have a monster year. With all the weapons, it's going to create more space for him. Uh, he's set up for a big-time year.
1: Yeah, light, light boxes. He should face more light boxes. And if they don't lighten the box, then they should be able to create one-on-ones. That's everything that an offensive coordinator uh, wants to be able to do. They want to play if-then football, meaning – If you do this, then we're going to counter with that. And that's what they have. I will say this about the Washington Redskins. I think Ron Rivera took notice of what the San Francisco 49ers were able to do by building up their team on defense with all those former first-round picks. That's the foundation. The Washington Redskins have five former first-rounders in that D-line, that front-line rotation. That's going to give them a chance to make up ground. They won't be able to close the ground immediately this year, but I think you can see where they're building and where it would be coming.
0: All right, the Green Bay Packers, Buck, um, obviously, a lot of attention on the Jordan Love thing. We've discussed that. But when you just look at this team, where they are now compared to last year, and then what do you expect uh, in terms of the teams coming up right behind them?
1: You know, it's tough because I don't know if they'll get immediate contributions from uh, anybody in their draft class. And this is a team that, despite going 13-3, and three, um, I would kind of call them a bit of a paper tiger. Uh, they won a lot of games, but I think in those matchups, when you saw with the San Francisco 49ers, their talent level isn't quite there with, like, the top teams in the NFC. I will say second year Matt LaFleur's reign, uh, what he wants to do is continue to be a little more balanced Um Offensively, They need to be able to run the ball. I think that's where A.J. Dillon may come into play. And even though Aaron Jones had a great year in terms of tallying up scrimmage yards, I think they kind of want to be a little more of a physical team. I think that's the thing that kind of resonated with them. San Francisco just beat them up. They didn't match them with making moves that make them a more physical team. So I don't know. Maybe they come a little back to the pack. Uh, The team that is what... The Minnesota Vikings are well-positioned to Absolutely. be the team that makes the run. I mean, they were a team that was in the mix last year. Uh, they got rid of some veteran players that were key players for them. But, man, the newbies that they brought in. You talk about having so many picks. Well, at one point, what, 15 picks yep. they had um, mm-hmm. <laughs> in the draft? That's that's crazy. Mike Zimmer um, being able to kind of redo this, this team on the fly. And then Gary Kubiak is an upgrade over Kevin Stefanski as a play caller. Gary Kubiak, um, Kevin Stefanski was running Kubiak's system. Gary Kubiak knows the system; he built the system. This will be a, a, an even better offense. We saw the moves match up with Ezra Cleveland uh, coming over. You think about Justin Jefferson giving him another wide receiver. Uh, the boot play-action game with Kirk Cousins should really flourish. And offensively, they may have to. The offense may have to carry the load a little bit early in the season. Mike Zimmer will find a way to fix the defense, though.
0: Yeah, you know, I think Ezra Cleveland could be key because it allow you to kick Riley Reef inside to guard. Um, and Pat Elfline just didn't play well last year. So at least, if nothing else, you have competition, healthy competition along that offensive line. They've got guys that really fit what they do. Uh, I mean, I, just on paper right now, Buck, I like Minnesota more than Green Bay. Sorry, Nabil, uh, but I do. I, I think Minnesota's got a better roster right now.
1: Yeah, I think you can say that. Like, and, and I and I'm serious. Like, uh, to be a 13 and three team like they were last year, I don't think they're. Their talent on paper necessarily equated to that. Like it kind of worked out for them. So we'll see what they're like uh, going forward. I will say this about the Bears the Bears quarterback competition will be critical uh, to be critical uh, for Nick Foles or Mitchell Trubisky, whoever is playing there, uh, to be able to do it defensively. They have enough firepower to be able to compete offenses where they've really been lacking. They haven't had enough consistency and explosive plays where they can put points on the board. That's really kind of helped them from overtaking those teams in the division. We'll see if they can kind of get it back. Yeah, I did
0: like one of the picks I like for them, a value pick, Darnell Mooney, wide receiver they got in the fifth round. Just keep an eye on him uh, out of Tulane. He did a nice job when you watch him against Auburn last year. They stepped up in competition. He brought his game up. So uh, I like him. I thought Detroit, you know, overall, uh, you know, I think they're, kind of just want to play a, a physical brand of football and you could see that with the moves that they made um who they brought in there again it, I mean just brought in every
1: everybody who's been around the Patriots they brought in anybody yep. who was a patriot anybody who practice squad been around it had a workout if you were a former patriot they brought you in uh I will say they're trying to play uh, they're trying to bring in players to play to the strengths of the style of play that they want. Uh, Man-to-man corners, Desmond Trufant, they bring in Jeff Okuda. I don't know if Akuda or Trufant are upgrades over Darius Slate. I would say no, but look, they, they, they're they committed to doing it. They're trying to culturally um, recreate what existed in New England. We'll see if they have enough time because they're on a mandate. They have to get to the playoffs, and so Matt Patricia has to pull it together quickly. I do like the DeAndre Swift Pick DeAndre Swift gives them the most talented running back that they've had in well over a decade. Uh, I would think that he would tally a bunch of yards, but man, it's it it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for them to gain ground on their rivals.
0: Well, I think you know, last year, if I'm not mistaken, I believe that you had Josh Jacobs on offense, and then you had um, uh, Max Crosby on defense. I think both of them finished in the top two or three in the rookie of the year voting for the same team, obviously with the Raiders. I think this year, I think Okuda. Is a is a legit defensive rookie of the year candidate, and I think Swift is a, re, a legitimate offensive rookie of the year candidate. Those two guys can be stars.
1: No, I, I think they absolutely can be stars, and they're gonna need them to be stars right away. That's a lot of pressure to put on a first year player coming out, but they have to have it. Like where they are right now, the regime and everything. Like they got to get it going, and so um with this COVID nineteen situation where you can't necessarily get around them. Um, they have to find a way to accelerate their growth and, and speed up that learning curve so those guys can make contributions this season. All right,
0: let's get to the south here. New Orleans, uh, what you've seen from them in the offseason, Buck, and who's uh, who's nipping at their heels here?
1: Man, Sean Payton, is, Sean Payton is a G. He just understands how to how to get it done. Like this is a team that is as good as they were last year, they're better this year. Uh Emmanuel Sanders, Emmanuel Sanders gives them a legitimate number two. Receiving option, They didn't have that. Last year, they they were playing with one guy that you worried about, Michael Thomas, and they were so good designing plays that he still beat you. And so now you get another guy, a guy on the other side who's a legitimate route runner. Um, it's going to be different. And also, Alvin Kamara banged up for most of the year last year, didn't play at the level that we've seen him play. If he is healthy and ready to go, I just saw a video with him doing some balance drills. If he's able to do any of that stuff that he did two years ago, Having him in the backfield with Sanders and Thomas offensively, man, it's a nightmare. Taysom Hill coming back gives them kind of that Swiss Army knife. And then the moves that they've been able to make defensively, Zach Bond was a good get. The medical stuff kind of crushed him, dropped him down the board. But he is a player, and he will be a really good player for them. I just like what they're doing. And the backup quarterback situation with Jameis Winston coming in if he finalizes that deal, perfect situation for him perfect situation from them you talk about a a quarterback and they need Jameis winston is only 25 years old if they can fix the flaws that kind of overshadowed the good parts of his game man look out they got through for a million yards last year and had 33 touchdowns we could talk about the interceptions there are a lot of quarterbacks in this league that have not thrown for 33 touchdowns
0: all right buck um i'm with you on on the uh on the saints and one of the things i want to talk to you about is they draft adam troutman right in the third round so you've got jared cook they already have josh hill we bring in adam troutman Uh, which leads me to one of the things i want to ask you about because talking to some of the top offensive minds um when we were going to the combine had a chance to visit with a bunch of people and and i i kept hearing the same theory kind of over and over again remember Uh, two years ago was 11 personnel league everybody was in 11 personnel one back one tight end now I'm telling you everybody I talk to Buck they're obsessed with 12 they want to play in 12 personnel we saw it with the Eagles right with the two tight ends uh, with Zach Ertz and with Dallas Goddard Um, the 49ers love playing with two tight ends I think when you look at the the Saints going out and getting Troutman and they can play with Jared Cook I think that's the that's the kind of in vogue personnel group we're going to see here uh, this next season. Is everybody's going to be living in that because especially when you got vers- those versatile tight ends, you can do so many different things. You just go back to that Patriot offense and we remember that when that took off, and I think it was copied for a little bit, and then it kind of went away, and then the eleven thing took off. I- I'm telling you, you're going to see two tight ends on the field a lot this year.
1: Here's why, DJ. So the 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 beauty of twelve personnel. Uh, comes in, in, in so many different dimensions. When you have two tight ends on the field, it gives you the opportunity to play what we call ace formations, meaning you have tight ends on opposite sides of the field and, and wide receivers there. That balances up the defense and it leaves it vulnerable on one side because you can't play an eight-man front against that because there are too many gaps. You, you're, you're one gap short. Also, when you have two tight ends on the field, if one of those guys has enough versatility to be a true lead blocker, well, now you can get into 21 personnel formations, meaning your traditional eye formations and those things that are problematic for the defense, you can do that. If that tight end also has the ability to maybe displace and play as a slot receiver, you now can do those 11 personnel things. So from one personnel package, you can give defenses a myriad of formations to have to defend and It just makes it very difficult for the defense to trot out the right personnel because do we stay base? Do we go nickel? Depending on that one little chess piece that you have. And all of the teams that were the top rushing teams last year, the Minnesota Vikings, the San Francisco 49ers, the Baltimore Ravens, they played with 12 or 21 personnel. People take notice, and they saw how difficult it was to defend teams that wanted to beat you up. And because of the late reaction to the 11 personnel stuff where everybody went out and got these speed rushers that are light and fast, they can't take on blocks. And so when you can't take on blocks, you run it right at them.
0: I think it's fascinating, man. You just explained that so beautifully. That's why I love uh, having these conversations with you, Buck, to be able to just put that uh, in a beautiful picture for everybody to see just how complicated it is to, uh, to deal with that type of – uh, formation and, and, and uh, personnel grouping as a defense. When you look at the teams to give this guy some fits, um, I mean, I look, when you add the greatest quarterback of all time, I know Tom Brady's not coming off of a great year, Buck, and you can, we can all see. I mean, the, the skills have declined a little bit. But when you look at the, the team that they have around him now and you look at the weapons that they have, um, and they've got better on the offensive line with Tristan Wirfs, Um, You look on the defensive side of the ball, they've got a a pretty talented defensive front. Vita Vea, I think, is kind of a a star that nobody talks about. Um, You look up the middle, Antoine Winfield adding him at safety. I think that team's pretty good on paper, man.
1: The team is really good on paper. The team is really good on paper. The trick will be, um, can they preserve Tom Brady enough that he can be at his best down the stretch, meaning that, Uh, We talk about a trucks and trailers uh, league or description of the quarterback. What they need is they need to set the team up where Tom Brady can be a trailer until they get down the last part of December, the last four games in the playoffs, where then he can flip into being the truck. I don't want to put all of it on Tom Brady to have to carry the team the entire season.
0: Buck, you know, the, the one thing about this division I think it's interesting. If you, if you look around, and we talked about Tampa and Tom Brady being a new quarterback in this division without an offseason. Carolina, Teddy Bridgewater, new quarterback without an offseason, even though he is familiar with it from his time with Joe Brady. Um, the Saints obviously have the familiarity there. They're the top of the division. But I think the Atlanta Falcons, the continuity that they have with Matt Ryan offensively is going to help them going through this offseason. And I think they're kind of a team that you, just, you kind of forget about them. Nobody really talks about them, but they, they've they got a talented group. I mean, they've got a, a really good group. And I think the fact that that Matt Ryan and his familiarity with the surroundings, with the system, all that stuff is going to benefit them in this kind of different year that we find ourselves in.
1: Yeah, 11 first-rounders, 11 former first-rounders on that offense, the only team to ever have that. Matty Ice has a ton of weapons around him on the outside. Calvin Ridley, uh, Julio Jones. Uh maybe we see a reinvigorated Ty Gurley playing in front of his people, uh his Georgia fans down there in the dome. Um it, it, it could be interesting. Uh defensively, Raheem uh and Jeff Obreck taking over the defense, helped them stylistically down the stretch. It was kind of a cleaner defense and it played better. Um we'll see if AJ Terrell can step in and be that number one corner that they need. They need uh better play on the outside. Because to be honest, in this division, if you don't have corner good cornerback play, you can't Compete. There are too many good wide receivers. The ball flies all over the yard too much. You have to be able to to cover people in this division. Uh, Yeah, but they're well positioned. Um, The Buccaneers, the Falcons, uh, viable contenders, this is a division that notoriously flips every year. So we'll see. But I think we have to at least mention the Carolina Panthers and what they did, committing seven picks on defense, uh, trying to add more speed. Offensively, this looks like an offense that should be ready to go. Christian McCaffrey. Uh, the holdovers that they have offensively. We'll see how Joe Brady adjusts to uh, coaching at the pro level in terms of running an offense when he's never really been a full-time play caller. So we'll see how that goes. But defensively, there's no doubt in my mind that they're building a fast team. It may take a year or two before we see kind of like the fruits of their labor, though.
0: Yeah, I think defensively, they're going to be fast with Jeremy Chin. You bring over Derek Brown to help up front. You tour Gross Matos to rush off the edge. I mean, it was all defensive draft. So uh, they're, they're going to be better on that side of the ball, no doubt. Uh, offensively, man, I just tell you what, Buck, they got to keep Christian McCaffrey healthy. If something happens to Christian McCaffrey, I, I don't know how they're going to be able to generate a whole lot of offense. So, you know, I like Robbie Anderson and his speed, DJ Moore. Um, you've got Curtis Samuel that's a that's a that's a good group there but I still think the offensive line is just so so and uh, and this whole thing runs through McCaffrey so they've got to find a way to keep him healthy
1: yeah no I think uh, I think it is all about Chris McCaffrey keeping him healthy keeping him right making sure that he has uh, the juice when they need it Uh, it's tough they paid him a lot of money so they obviously got to make sure they utilize him but you got to do it smart like can they work him smarter, not harder, and still get kind of the benefits of him being one of the more dynamic players in the league.
0: Yeah, I do think we before we leave this division also, um, I failed to mention Gronk, you know, being there with Tampa. So add him to the mix that they have there with the Tampa Bay Bucks. Um, it's going to be uh, it's going to be an interesting division to follow this year with all a lot of those new pieces. The challenge is how long can you take? Uh, how long does it take for these new pieces and new places to get in the groove with the with the unusual offseason? That's going to be a challenge, really, for all these teams we've been talking about.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's a challenge. And some teams, veteran teams like the New Orleans Saints, are saying, "Hey, veterans, you you take care of what you need to take care of. Take care of your families. We'll work on the rookies, and we'll get together in training camp." Other teams are already grinding. I saw where maybe it's the Rams. Uh, spending about an hour and a half each day with their players four days a week, so we'll see how it goes. I think the guys who have kind of been through situations similar to this, like the lockout in 2011, uh, they have a plan for getting their team ready to play. Uh, what I would call like old school, where you used to have to go to training camp for six weeks and get it done. If you understand that, I think there's more than enough time to do it. You just can't over, uh, you can't tax your team uh, too much. You can't blow their minds up before you get a chance to really get around. It.
0: No doubt. Uh, all right, let's get to the final division here. The NFC West, San Francisco, man, it was a, a razor thin margin with them and the Seahawks, but they got it done thanks to the tackle by, by Dre Greenlaw in their final meeting. But uh, San Francisco, where they are, Buck, and then who do you vision as the uh, as the biggest challenger now?
1: Uh, I think the hardest thing to do in our business is to be honest, is to be honest with your evaluation, to be able to look at your team critically and say, we have to get better. I think the San Francisco 49ers were able to look at a team that, but, man, they were a half a quarter away from being crowned as the Super Bowl champions. And to say, hey, we got to get better. There's some things that we need to improve. Um, the DeForest Buckner move was fantastic because they got rid of DeForest Buckner, a good player, and brought back a player, a younger, cheaper model, and Javon Kinlaw. And wide receiver, they lose Emmanuel Sanders, who gave them some maturity, gave them some experience on the outside, but, man, they brought in over uh, an explosive, dynamic guy with some toughness. And Brandon Ayuk, the team with Deebo Samuel. Um, you have was it Bourne, Kendrick Bourne, who who comes back. They they are good on the outside. They're physical. The running game. Look, they, they got rid of Matt Breida, but they find a way to continue to run the ball and run the ball successfully. That's what they do. Um, this is a team that is just really, really solid. I think they've attacked their needs and weaknesses. And I, I, mean, I think the product going forward is going to be a better product because – Swap out Joe Staley for Trent Williams, you can say maybe it's an upgrade. Team well-positioned. It's going to be a fight in the in the NFC West because the teams that they're facing are also good. But, man, the 49ers are poised to be the champions all over again.
0: And I think it's easy to point to Seattle and look at them as a, as a team that was right there, a whisker away from one in this division, as being the biggest threat. And you can make that case. Um, had some changes along the offensive line. Some new faces in there uh, going forward. We'll see how that comes together. I think Jordan Brooks, uh, very athletic. They throw him in the mix on defense and put him next to Bobby Wagner. You've got some real speed there, which they always covet up there in Seattle. But And I love what the Rams did. You know, And the Rams, after having to part with a lot of veteran players in free agency and not having a first-round pick, man, they, I thought they had a home run draft. They did an outstanding job with what they're able to get accomplished in the draft. But... I'm telling you, Buck, I just get the feeling. I look at this division, and it, the team that scares me is Arizona. Because if Kyler Murray can kind of take that next step, um, and this is a team that goes out in the draft, and you add Isaiah Simmons and his athleticism on defense. They, they bypassed the tackle, which I thought, man, they need another tackle if they're going to really get more guys out in the route and operate this offense the way it was meant to go. But then Josh Jones, uh, they're able to get him in the draft. So I, I think he's got a chance to, to plug and play as a starter, as a rookie. Um, and then you bring over DeAndre Hopkins, who's a legit top five receiver in the NFL, to go along with Christian Kirk and what he can do and all these other young receivers, plus Larry Fitzgerald. Um I just think this offense has a chance to be very dynamic, and I think they added some good athletes on the defensive side of the ball as well. Their secondary should be outstanding with, with all the different pieces they can use there.
1: Yeah, no, they're a really good team, uh, really explosive. Uh, I don't know if their defense can keep up with the the heavyweights. Isaiah Simmons gives them a big-time playmaker. they have to piece it together. Offensively, they certainly should be fun. When I look at this team right now, um, I think they're they're right in the middle of the pack, and I think depending upon what Callum Murray is able to do that could be the difference in being an eight and eight or a nine and seven or whatever team, but the division is tough. Um, Seattle, San Francisco, the physicality and toughness and talent. Um, it's gonna be tough, but man, the San Francisco 49ers and the Seattle Seahawks, that rivalry, that competitiveness between those two teams, razor thin margin. You talked about like that that play that kind of that pushed the San Francisco 49ers into the playoffs as division champion. It could come down to that all over again.
0: Yeah, and I just think when you you'll go to the Rams real quick, out goes Todd Gurley, in comes Cam Akers. Uh, out goes Brandon Cooks, in comes Van Jefferson. I think did a nice job of replacing those two stars with those two players.
1: How about this? I'm going to go out on the limb, and I'm going to say that Cam Akers may rush for 1,200 yards this year. I know people have penciled in Daryl Henderson, but Cam Akers is a much better player. And whatever took place with Todd Gurley, where it's the injuries, whether it was the chemistry or the, the failed connection with him and Sean McVay, I don't know, but I think Sean McVay was humbled enough that he wants to get right. He not only wants to win, but he wants to repair his reputation as being one of the best play calls, if not the best play call in the league. I think we're going to see Cam Akers featured in a prominent role as a runner and receiver that is going to put the shine back on Sean McVay as a play caller because I think everyone in that organization understands the importance of the running game as it relates to Jared Goff. I think Cam Akers is going to be a superstar for them in the role that they eventually put him in.
0: I'm with you. I'm, I'm all in on Cam Akers. He'd be, uh, be one of my favorites for Offensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, I think he's a great fit in that system, and I think he's going to play behind a better offensive line than the one he had uh, uh, there at Florida State. So you're going to see a big-time year from Cam Akers. All right, man, it's been fun, Buck. Uh, it's been great to catch up, great to see you, great to uh, to go through all these teams. Um, it's weird you build up all this time talking about the draft and all of a sudden it's just like boom it's gone and now uh, and now you start looking forward and normally we'd be talking about these guys getting on the field at rookie minicamp and how do they look and talking to your buddies and now they're on conference calls you know they're on uh, video conference calls right now so it's a one another reminder of just we're living in a different time right now man
1: yeah a different time it'd be interesting now going forward like how the off season plays out like what we're able to Uh, to glean from our guys on the inside. But yeah, it's an interesting time. But look, this has been great. It's been a great uh, lead up to the draft. And now that we've completed, we're able to reflect or whatever. I think the the next few weeks, like when we're able to kind of decompress or whatever, I think it'd be interesting when we do reconvene down the line to just talk about the lessons learned from an evaluation standpoint on look, where guys got picked and not necessarily like where guys get picked, how it determines how you change, but What themes came out of this draft when it comes to evaluating and selecting players and how we can take those lessons and use them going forward?
0: No doubt. Well, I know some of you listening right now might be thinking, "Okay, well, I guess we'll catch Move the Sticks podcast in the fall when football comes back, if it comes back on time. But no, no, no. we're going to keep going here. We've got some. We've got some great content stored up and we're going to be bringing you new stuff as well. But we had the uh, opportunity to go to the baseball winter meetings and talk with a bunch of general managers and talk to, to Don Mattingly, all kinds of great people and talk about the differences between uh, running a baseball team and running a football team, lessons that, that we could share with each other and it was uh, fascinating conversations with all these guys. Uh, so we're going to have some of that content coming your way once the baseball season uh, kicks or starts, hopefully sooner rather than later. We've been collecting all all these stories about the greatest high school football player you've ever seen. We've, we've asked former players, coaches, everybody, and we've got some fantastic (laughs) stories that we're going to share with you. And and also we get a chance to, again, uh, preview uh, this uh, upcoming season with the NFL, which I do uh, believe we will see and what we can expect from that as well. So the content's not going anywhere, Buck. We're going to be here.
1: No, we absolutely going to be here. This is the fun part of the year. We get to put some of those projects into play. So I'm looking forward to seeing how it goes.
0: Well, there you go. Well, that's going to do it for us today. I do want to thank uh, Mark and Nabil for helping uh, get this thing off the ground and, and guiding us through as we made it through the draft. I, I do appreciate all their hard work, Arjuna as well, Ryan Bartlett as well, David Singer, who's got us so many great guests during the uh, during the draft season. So we have really a team of people that have done a wonderful job. I want to thank all them. Uh, but that's going to do it for us today. Thank you so much for listening uh, to Move the Sticks, presented by FedEx.